you can see clearly that over the last couple of years, including with the pandemic, there has been no downturn in the cannabis industries. <laughs> it's actually been growing exponentially. We're a financial marketplace for the industries that are what we call frontier hemp, hydroponics, cannabis, CBD. We have multiple banks we can introduce them to. And then on the backside, where we make our money is in the lending process. So when somebody like Brendan wants to expand his store or he wants to go grab some inventory or he wants to buy some lights and he needs to finance it. The fact is I am not going to be able to monetize this episode for reasons that really underline some of the points that Todd Claperis raises in it. It may have been a decade since Colorado and Washington first legalized the recreational use of marijuana, and many states and territories and indeed many other countries may have followed since. But the people and businesses working in what is now a $25 billion legal cannabis industry still struggle to access financial services. Hazel is a fintech that is dedicated to putting that right, and indeed to serving all high-risk frontier industry segments. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LaGrange. Todd Clipperis, founder of Paisel, as well as a few other businesses, actually. I'm delighted to be chatting to you today. You are not a traditional banker, I think it's fair to say. Certainly, you're not somebody who is going to be doing something just because that's the way we've always done it in the industry. So before we find out what you're doing today, would you mind introducing your background and the sort of experiences you've had that have shaped you into the type of fintech entrepreneur that you are today? Well, thanks, Brendan. I appreciate that. And uh, you know, I'm absolutely not a banker. I, uh, I'm a technology person that stumbled into banking about seven years ago. A retired police officer at the time called me and asked me to put some technology on one of his armored trucks. I didn't know why. He had said, geez, the armored truck smelled like cannabis. And I went, what? And that was the start of what was then and still is the, an armored car company called Hardcar, which was the cannabis industry's first real transportation company, move money one way and move product the other way. I got involved because of the technology side. And then I, I quickly understood that the banking industry was not even existing seven or eight years ago. So we got the first bank, which was called Technicolor, which is a credit union uh, down in Burbank. And if you remember a thing called Looney Tunes, well, Looney Tunes was a cartoon, but in the background, you saw something called Technicolor. Well, Technicolor as the bank was actually the credit union for all the Hollywood stars. And believe it or not, they like cannabis. And so they wanted their own banking program. They created that program. We then pushed all the money to the Federal Reserve. I wrote the first white paper for the NCIA, which is the National Cannabis Industry Association with over 2,000 people. I had 16 lawyers that helped me craft the white paper, which was and still is used by bankers today to kind of help them get into the cannabis banking industry. What I realized was that the banks themselves are really lost in terms of cannabis banking. In my experience, I just used technology. I kept, I kept leaning on technology that was going to enable the banks to move quicker and safer and do things in compliance that would enable them to be able to bring on more accounts. And then what we realized was uh, we were able to expand into other industries. So now we're into everything from sustainable ocean-based housing to carbon credits from an ESG firm to 
robotics, autonomous systems, all kinds of things that are really frontier spaces, frontier markets, because those are the hardest typically to find banks that will say yes to. So things like hydroponics. Now, you and I know hydroponics as the stores where you can go in and buy things for blueberries or for avocados or for tomatoes. But they're also the store where you can buy things like grow medium or um, nutrients. And those nutrients can be sold to anybody, arguably, but one of the hardest segments to justify is the banking side. So we pushed forward in that segment and we've been very fortunate and happy doing that with one of our largest clients, which is a couple of billion dollar client in our space. So it's been good. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I really love is that tagline of yours, forged out of frustration and, and built on trust, which I think is the perfect entrepreneur tagline uh, in a few words there. But what is that story behind the frustration? <laughs> Oh, American Express canceled my credit card after 30 years. I was a platinum member. Ford canceled my credit cards after I had uh, I had six armored trucks in the industry. And having been in the cannabis industry for quite some time, all of that was powerful. It was, it was very disheartening because, you know, you don't want your credit cards canceled. You don't want your bank accounts changed. But what happens is the banks themselves really were unfamiliar with the, with the cannabis space. And so forged out of frustration is just because we were really, really frustrated dealing with the banks that we had. We went out and found more banks. We actually have what we consider to be the largest network of cannabis-friendly and or frontier market-friendly banks. And now we've pushed forward and we've got great relationships all throughout the United States. We can manage any cannabis company that wants to get bank accounts or lending all throughout the United States. And now we're tackling other industries with the same platform a fintech-enabled platform to be able to bring the process, the onboarding, the credit selection, the determination factors and originating loans, all that stuff. You're in a few of these frontier markets, but I think for the sort of man in the street, the cannabis industry is probably the most visible of those. You know, From an outsider's point of view, if I think about what I know about sort of cannabis legalization in the US, the first of the current wave sort of came into, say, 10 years ago with Colorado and Washington. And there have been states sort of coming ever since. But what does that market look like, the legal cannabis industry today in the States? Well, it's billions of dollars that's been growing actually exponentially throughout the pandemic and through every single hard push that has tried to keep the industry down. The, the challenge I find, Brendan, is you know I'm, I'm 50 years old. And when I look at the cannabis industry, I go, why has this not been legalized for the last 40 years? And it really is the bastard stepchild of pharmaceutical world, where they're now pushing for a lot of different companies and different industry segments to get involved in this space early. Now, we're seven years into prohibition. I mean, in California, meaning that the largest market was opened up for recreational sales. And we still have literally only thousands of stores. By the time this thing becomes federally legal globally, I don't mean just in the United States, countries like Thailand have now gone recreational. Mexico itself went fully recreational. The more and more the people realize that the actual medicine can be used to treat things like kids with seizures, they've got PTSD-related information for veterans like myself that are able to get around taking heavy doses of medication. I mean, the cannabis as an industry should have been recreational a long time ago. It's not. But what we're doing now is we're pushing the banks, the ones that are really, really into uh, the segment itself are normally the banks that are a little bit more forward-thinking. Why is that important? Well, because most banks have a certain profile. They will do certain things and they won't do others. There are banks in, in the US and in globally that will do markets like gambling, maybe guns or online gaming. 
and or cryptocurrency, for instance. And there are other banks that will not. The Bank of America does not have a cryptocurrency policy today. That's just not going to happen. So will the digital currency industry ever interact or intersect with the cannabis? That's been brought up a lot of times. Even on one of our major customers, the CFO was on the phone with some of the banks and he had said, do you have a crypto policy? Do you have a crypto? It was one of the first questions out of CFO's mouth. And I kept thinking, man, this is a multi-billion dollar company. And this is the CFO. And he's asking them if they have a crypto policy. So I knew that it was going to be of an issue to them specifically to take payments and to do some other things in, in currencies like that. But I can introduce you to five or six banks. And I do believe that there will be an intersection. I just think it's toxic right now because there is very limited visibility into where the money has originated from. And that makes it a challenge in our space. But I think in the cannabis space, it's going to be forbidden for the next two to five years at a minimum. Yeah, I'm going to do the dangerous thing of speaking about two things I don't know much about at all. But yeah, the knee-jerk criticism of cryptocurrencies are it's just been used to finance drug deals. So, uh, you know, if you if you're not trying to give the people that are resisting legalized cannabis any more ammunition. It just is an awkward fit. But we just set up an ocean sustainable house firm called Ocean Builders. They're ocean-based homes that you can buy with cryptocurrency. The market for banking and or financial technology services is expanding rapidly. The slowdown in the fintech space is only because you've had a lot of neobank or challenger banks that raised a lot of money, but have not really delivered an awful lot of results. Whereas we have one of the largest customers in the entire industry as our main customer. We've got lots of other customers that are coming through our platform and we're doing the work now where we see a lift for you know the next 10 to 15 years of increased lending, increased uh, ability to get liquidity for all these companies to grow and expand. It's great. It's good. It's a good segment to be in. Yeah. And when we first sort of met in, in the real world, it was because of this idea of folk in the cannabis industry who couldn't have access to traditional credit. And you know, if you're a, a, an orange farmer or a lettuce farmer, you're not going to have a problem getting a bank yeah. account. I looked at a, a report uh, the other night from Leafly. they put cannabis as the fifth biggest crop in terms of value in the US at the moment. Right. Why do cannabis growers and, and others in the in the industry still struggle to participate in financial services? Well, it's, it's becoming more and more prevalent. There are a number of banks that are opening up quickly. There's uh, companies that have gone public like Safe Harbor uh, Financial Services, which has gone public recently. That's going to be opening up a lot of accounts. There's other banks that are bringing in accounts as quick as they can. It's just the larger banking population in the United States has been so risk averse because it was federally illegal for them to bank the cash and then to know your customer or KYC, the money up front was almost impossible. So you'd have people walking into a cannabis store, buying everything in cash and then leaving. If the federal government had been wise enough to figure this out, one of the easiest pinpoints they could have stopped or started was, hey, let's just allow credit cards. It would have enabled them to know who the patients were. It would enable them to see how quickly they were making the payments. But everyone said, no, 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 credit cards can't use those can't use banks. Those banks are not going to be able to take it. So all the banks that we work with, I mean, every single one of them, we have a $60 billion bank is probably our biggest bank. And even that bank is hesitant because they're just fearful that they may lose their charter. They may have a lawsuit. It's never happened. There's been infractions. There have been banks that have had sanctions put against them because they did um, shoddy KYC work, but they would have gotten in trouble if they were in any industry. It's not just the cannabis industry. So I think the banking is coming. The lending is really where the push is. Exactly what you had said, Brendan, was it's 100,000% accurate. Most of these companies, they don't even have a soft credit profile. You know, the reporting was, hey, we're hiding money under the 
under the bed or they're putting money. I saw barrels. This is no joke. I was up north. I saw actual 55-gallon barrels stuffed with cash in the ground. And you're like, what? Really? And that's the way this has been for the like the last 20 years in the United States. And it's only the last five years that things have really kind of changed. And fortunately, we've been at the front of it. We're enabling the bank account opening. So a bank account origination for any companies within the United States that are looking for bank accounts, either in hemp, hydroponics, cannabis, any kind of frontier industries. Those kind of markets are very difficult for um, those guys to get bank accounts. We have multiple banks we can introduce them to. And then on the backside, where we make our money is in the lending process. So when somebody like Brendan wants to expand his store or he wants to go grab some inventory or he wants to buy some lights and he needs to finance it, you'd come back to Paisal after you've gotten your bank account all squared away and you'd say, hey, I'd like to have some access to some lending. And then we present you with multiple lenders of which then you can choose your selected routes. We're a financial marketplace for the industries that are what we call frontier finance. I guess the received wisdom in the industry that these are risky markets, they maybe see them as scary, but what are you seeing in terms of real risk? What is the risk actually like in lending to these businesses and providing finance uh, in this frontier space? Well, I think any lending is risky to a degree, depending upon what you're lending against, right? And, and if there's assets or if there's no asset, it makes a bigger difference. If there's just financial data and somebody wants to get a lease that's a different kind of conversation. And there, there is risk, but it's not as high as, say, for instance, um, you know, hard money lending, where you have somebody that's just going to give you 20% a month or you know, 2% a month to be able to return your, and it's 24% a year or something crazy like this. These are, these are real banks with real rates. So we have as low as like 8 to 6% on some loans, 12% on others, up to 18%, you know, but not into the 20s and 30s percent where it's excruciatingly painful for companies. Because you got to understand, I was and still am a cannabis guy. Like I started a cannabis distribution armored car company. I was a guy that did all the insurances. So I know what the pain points are of a lot of these companies. You know, interestingly, Brendan, you'd think that a lot more, more people would do their due diligence and really look at whether or not some of the industries they are investing in, specifically the banks, are even recession proof. Now, if you look at the cannabis industry and you've seen the numbers, you can see clearly that over the last couple of years, including with the pandemic, there has been no downturn in the cannabis industries. <laughs> it's actually been growing exponentially. If I was a, a betting person, which I'm not, if, if I was a, to lay a wager on whether or not more and more people would see this, they will. And they have to because, I mean, these are publicly traded companies that have to have the right financials, that have to have the right backing, that these things can go through squeaky clean and they get bank financing. So it's actually, believe it or not, from a logistics perspective, if you can get around the industry, if you can get around the risk of the industry, it's very, not recession proof, but recession enabled. How's that? Because people will always go out and buy certain things. And cannabis is one of those things that once people have it, they typically don't want to give it up. Yeah. So it's quite interesting to me because I said we, we first met, there was this group of people who now are operating in, in legal businesses and are still finding themselves removed from the from the ecosystem. How do you go through those checks? How do you bring them in and open their accounts? What sort of data are you looking at to be able to do what others haven't been able to? We've put in an awful lot of systems, everything from even looking at how long they've had their SIM card in their phone to how long they have had their rent to how long they've been at their existing location. What, what We have to do an awful lot more due diligence. We actually have site visits. We'll actually go and make sure that the bank is happy. We'll take location-based information as I said right up front, ads are turned off today. So instead, why don't you pause this for a moment, pop over to Steam and add our favorite game, 
World Turtles to your wish list. Since I interviewed its creator, Gideon Cribino, World Turtles has had some fantastic news and gathered some real momentum. I can't tell you about the details, but trust me, here is your chance to say you got in before it went mainstream. Now, let's get back to the show. One of the funny ones that just came up this past year was bank-related finance for mini-grids. So solar mini-grids in the cannabis industry were not being financed. We had a bank that we had helped get a $150 million line into, and they said, geez, we'd love for you guys to help us with this solar finance over here for mini-grids. And I would have never even thought, Brendan, that that was even a possibility, but it is now. And we have the ability to offer those to cannabis grow sites, cannabis manufacturers, cannabis operators anywhere, and they can reduce their overhead costs by just adding one of these you know, systems onto their building. So there's going to be multiple opportunities that come from the banks themselves that will bring the, the good back into the companies, which is great. I think that as you see this industry progress within the next two to five years, you'll see even more opportunities where before you couldn't even get a home loan. Two years ago, th- almost three years ago now, I had a guy from Maine, like really far up in Maine, and he calls me up and he says, look, I'd like to get a home loan. I've been working for a cannabis company for two years and I can't get a home loan. None of the banks will get me a home loan. And I said, well, what are you looking for? He said $70,000. He told me he went through six banks that he couldn't get banked with. And he went through two banks of ours and he got the home loan squared away. And you know, we didn't, it was, there's no money in it for pays, but we did it because we just support our industry. We, we like the people in our space, right? They, it'll all come back to us. We're doing really well. We've got a credit builder program now where we can actually help people build up their credit if they have no credit history in the past. Our loan builder program has done exceptionally well so that we can actually parachute in and get people their information right so that when they go to a bank, they can actually get the loan process going. A lot of these companies don't realize you can't sell your company to someone else without the right books. They're in business. They're entrepreneurs. They're out there. They're doing every day they possibly can. But when you go to the owner and you actually sit with him and say, Brendan, in five years time, do you want to sell your company? And then the guy says, oh yeah, I would love to sell my company in five to 10 years. And I think I'll be able to sell it for X. But you realize you can't do that if you don't have the right financials and you don't have the right information, right? And they all go, Oh yeah, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're kind of right. I better. So it's kind of cart before horse in some degree, but it's been going really well. We've been very fortunate. Yeah, and there was a, well, there's a, been a few opportunities to make jokes about green finance, I think, but there's a nice overlap there with the sort of the traditional green finance space. How does that side of the business work? How have you got into some of that? They reached out. Believe it or not, we've had other companies that have reached out with some really wild technologies, and I love that. I'm an explorer. Like I said before, when we first started, I'm a technology guy. I was working in robotics on the ocean 15, 20 years ago before it was even a thing, right? So, I mean, I've always seen new technologies. When I had the uh, armored car company, we were bringing out robots to patrol you know, outside of cannabis locations uh, with a company called Sharp Electronics. I've always leaned towards you know, unique new technologies. Autonomous vehicles is something that I really think is right around the corner and autonomous vehicles couldn't get leasing. And we got an autonomous vehicle company leasing. I mean, it's just one of those things where you plug and play with the banks and you make the right matches and it's just working exceptionally well for the lending process with new innovative industries. A recent one, you might like this, is a wireless recharging station for drones. Now, where did that come from? Well, that's because one of the companies we were working with works in the military, and this wireless recharging uh, station is going to be used for some of those applications, and that just kind of all fell together. That is a wild segment. That is not something that would typically get banks to look at their financing and say, oh, yeah, we're going to wireless recharging for drones? Sure, we'll do that. Go bring that to Chase. Go bring that to Bank of America. Go bring that to HSBC. And they're going to say, nah, unless the chairman or someone in the bank goes, 
Ooh, I really like that segment. And that's the way this goes. Some of the banks will reduce their risk when they know that the segment is something of value for them towards the future. And that's what we've been able to leverage, which has been great. Yeah, it's quite an interesting one because solar in terms of the public opinion is obviously very positive towards the green side of that. And, and the banks can kind of leverage that to you know, show their, their green credentials and get a bit of kudos. But the cannabis is maybe suffering from the other, although I'd argue all the stats show that there's really no negative perception in, in the public at large. But solar in the cannabis space, and it seems like the cannabis side overrules that and then the financing disappears again. So public opinion, and as you said, that maybe it's more of a fear of the regulator and the fear of the the other rules that might catch them up. Yeah, I think that uh, mortgage example is a good one of that, where you've got a house. There, there isn't a house in the world these days that isn't gaining value every month. <laughs> you, you think that's a no-brainer. Right. So, yeah, great to hear that you are stepping in here and helping uh, these businesses get up and running and, yeah, as you say, getting into positions to sure. borrow in the future to build their credit. How do you lend to strangers, right? That That's the tagline for most of your work. And in doing so... These, these are really stranger people. These are, these are people that you know, come to us right off the net or they'll come from a referral. Or Typically, we only work off of referrals now because we just, we've got inundated. And with our customer dropping an awful lot of business with us, we work really hand-in-hand with people like the accounting firms all throughout our industry will refer to us. In a better world, we'd be able to handle everybody. But right now, as a startup and growing as fast as we can, we can handle the business we have. We're adding on rapidly and we're growing into 2023. I believe we'll probably double our business in 2023 just because of what we've been able to accomplish this year. Really exponential growth coming. And we are very fortunate that you know we're in the space we are right now. And we'll see that more and more companies are able to grow their businesses in this segment. The hydroponics business as uh, an industry is gigantic. The cannabis industry in itself is dwarfing most other, let's call it nascent industries in the United States. I mean, what is the number one drug worldwide that governments love? Taxes. Because once they get their hands on taxes, Brendan, they just never want to let it go. And that's exactly what's happened in the cannabis space is they've got their tax revenue coming through. And a lot of these guys will never, ever let that go. Yeah. And uh, so you're not able to take on too many new customers. But if people are listening and are interested in that journey, maybe how they could lend better to some of these frontier industries, where can they go to learn more about Paisal or maybe learn more about yourself and the projects that you have uh, going on? Well, Paisal.com is an easy way. That's P-A-Y-Z-E-L.com. That's simple. There is a way that if somebody was listening here and they needed to get a referral, they could easily come through you or they could come through another cannabis company or somebody in the industry we've already helped would make it a lot easier for us to be able to work with someone. If they're a brand new company, it's it's just a, it's a harder road because there's just so many companies that are hitting this right now. I mean, you've got in Oklahoma, the expansion was astronomical. In other states like Arizona, they're coming online right now. There's there's big growth that's going to be hitting in every one of the new states that are coming online. The older states like California, Colorado, Oregon, to a large degree have been sorted out. They, most people have figured out workarounds to their system. Some of them are still using what I might call legacy banking where they're hiding in plain sight. Those are the companies I would address quickly and say, you guys need to change that. Anybody that's in the industry, if you're listening in this and you're on this podcast and you're using a bank that is not a friendly bank, we have the ability to help those companies. And you can reach out through any one of our referral partners, any one of the local national agencies, NCIA, the CCIA in California, the Coachella Valley Cannabis Association. We're associated to most of the associations in the United States. 
So there's an easy way to reach out if we have the right people with the right mission, right? We're, we're trying to help everybody, but we can only help on a certain on a certain basis, just because of the amount of traffic we're getting right now. But it's good. I mean, we are we are moving very quickly, Brandon, to help as many people as we can. 2023, 2024, we'll be much better off. We'll be adding on a lot more employees. If people wanted to become part of Paisal, that we are doing. We are hiring. And we're looking for really strong people to help us grow the company out all across the United States. And then hopefully internationally in the next couple of years, because we do have those goals as well. Yeah, well, I wish you the best of luck for that. So yeah, Paisal.com. Todd, I'm going to definitely keep an eye on the work you're doing there, as well as in the oceans and the solar. In terms of my LinkedIn feed, you're one of the people who I'm always having a look at what you're putting forward because there's always something different and it's always something interesting. So yeah, I wish you the best of luck and thank you for making the time. And thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed that, please do rate and review on your preferred podcast platform and share widely, including on LinkedIn. And while you're there, send me a connection request. The show is written and recorded by myself, Brendan LaGrange, in Brighton, England. Show music is by I Am Wake, and you can find full written transcripts, show notes, and more content at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show. And I'll see you again next Thursday.